podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Thanks for choosing this free Anfield Index podcast. If you'd prefer to listen to this or any of our other shows without adverts, then now's the time to check out Anfield Index Pro. With AI Pro, you can supercharge your entire listening experience. You'll not only get all of our podcasts without the ads, but you'll have them far faster with our quick publish feature available exclusively for subscribers. AI Pro also puts you in the heart of our sound studio with an option to listen to many of our shows live and interact with the podcasters in real time as the shows are recording. Upgrading couldn't be easier. AI Pro is available on all popular podcast platforms and we have our own apps for Apple and Android. Just head on over to AnfieldIndexPro.com and get started today. Hey guys, welcome back to the Nina Kauser Show. It's been a long break. I've enjoyed it. I've enjoyed watching the World Cup with no strings attached football, but back to serious business, back to being invested with the Reds. And um, 3-1, it finished to the Reds against Aston Villa. Happy days, Eid. And joining me on this podcast, I have two incredible guests who are just going to carry me through this pod because I am lacking some match fitness as they've discovered before we started recording this podcast. I am literally everywhere, people. So without further ado, let me introduce the panel. You know what? This podcast is a little bit about tradition and I normally have this guy on on Boxing Day and you know what? He moved mountains to be here today. So I am ever appreciative to have on Kev Hegarty. Welcome back, Kev. <laughs> Thank you. It's so long. I haven't been on a podcast in, I can't even remember how long, but I'm glad I'm back with you on this day because I always come back on this day. He does, he does, you know, like, it's just that thing that, um, you know what, I'll talk to you again next year, Kev, that's how I'm going to sign off the pod, um, <laughs> it's great having you on, and joining Kev on the podcast, you know what, she's positive vibes, she's awesome, you've heard her many a times on podcasts while the World Cup's been going on, she's letting, you know, keeping the side up, it is Lisa Marie, welcome back to the Nina Kauser Show. Always happy to be here, Nina, you know, I did the the last one before the World Cup break. With I knew you. you did. And so I think we're bookending this very nicely, um, not just the two of us on the podcast with an awesome third person, but two wins to bookend it as well. So you really can't ask for more than that, can you? No, you can't. And you know what? Um, unlike me, who's been a lazy little shit, you've been putting in a shift on the podcast. <laughs> So, you know what, credit where it is due. You know, she's coming like Mo Salah. You know, when he comes into pre-season and he's all ripped. That's what I'm expecting from Lisa Marie today. Right, guys, so we're back. The Reds are back. 3-1, it finished. I want to get your thoughts on this. And Kev, I'm, I'm going to come to you first because um, Lisa and I have been speaking a fair bit. We've covered a fair few games. But the Reds kind of had some kind of winning momentum, I'd say, before the World Cup break. So... It was really, really interesting to see how the Reds would respond. We've had a few big news in terms of Reds as well and some injury setbacks. So um, I want to get your thoughts. 3-1 today. Yeah, um, after long breaks, I'm never usually excited for a match Mm because usually we're pretty crap. But um, but we actually came out really, really well. And even with the lineup, I know we were – I was talking with Justin Wells from the the USA pod and and Lubo and a couple of others before the match. And – have an ox in the lineup is a little bit meh, okay. Um, not too sure about it, but um, but we looked great. Um, it was surprisingly fun in the first half. Um, but yeah, as I said, it, it kind of reverted to type in the second half uh, after long breaks off, and we were had a quite a large shaky period. But then at the end, 
pulled it out, which was nice. It was very chaotic, and I'm sure it was fun for the neutral, um, but it wasn't great for my family as I sat on the couch and, and was yelling and being like, come on, every 30 seconds with everybody here for Christmas. But um, that said, um, a nice beginning to the next stage in, in the Premier League for this season. So, yeah, I was pretty happy overall. Yes. And there's been some quite interesting results in, in the Premier League today as well. So, you know, it's good that the Reds are able to embark on those things. And Lisa, I'm going to come to you. Um, you know, I'd like to get your thoughts on, you know, how, you know, I thought you and I covered a fair few games and like, you've been quite consistent for me. And, you know, we started winning some games and then we have the obnoxious break, which I was appreciative of. I'm not going to lie. And, um, the Reds are back again. And, um, you know, again, um, Kev touched on the starting lineup, and I think Ox was a bit of a big surprise. But I guess with the injuries and stuff, um, you know, it, it had to be. But how were you feeling after that game? And you know, um, are you filled with a little bit of confidence? Because I'll tell you what, I was like, this is where the season begins for me now. I want to eradicate and erase the the Fulham game from my memory altogether. <laughs> you know, I felt I felt pretty good coming into it because you know the the cup match um, the other night. While we didn't win you know we looked okay mm. um and so in a way i felt like that was kind of our as as kev and and others have alluded to you know we are kind of crap after a long break traditionally oftentimes usually so i felt as though that city match was kind of our way to shake the cobwebs off and, and, and get ready to go and, and you know and again they they played you know overall pretty pretty good in that match so i i was into them feeling pretty good about it and as someone just put up in the chat we do seem to like the boxing day um fixture it, it's traditionally a pretty good one for us so mm. so overall i was coming in pretty good you know then i did see the lineup and i had a minute of uh, you know kind of grit the teeth a bit but what what choice was there you know i mean there there really isn't a choice mm. as far as oxley chamberlain and, and some of the others who had to come in so i think you know again as i said overall i i um you know, I was feeling pretty good as as the match was starting, and I kind of allowed myself. Oftentimes, when I'm coming onto this podcast, I'm sort of, "Ooh, I need to take notes." You know what I'm talking about and everything. Today, I just sort of sat back and watched. I mean, I do have some notes, but but I kind of found myself enjoying watching the match, and I thought, you know what, Let's, I'm going to try that approach today. So, um, you know, if, if there are some holes in what I have to say, that would be because I was not a good student today and did not take as many. Are you that person who has everything? The coolest merch and those must-have fan threads? Well, over at our Anfield Index shop, we've gone that extra mile when it comes to pimping up your Liverpool collection. From our popular range of bespoke design t-shirts, sweaters, hoodies and hats, to our signature edition mugs, prints and coasters, all provided with fast worldwide shipping. We have something for every red. We also stock official LFC merchandise and are licensed with the Premier League and UEFA to sell official iron-on shirt badges and sleeve patches. As a listener to this podcast, you can get 10% off everything with coupon code AIPRO10. Just head over to AnfieldIndex.shop or find us on Etsy by searching for Anfield Index. You're not the only one. I wasn't feeling it as well. I mean, I have a few notes, but, you know, nothing like, yeah. I, I know I know exactly what you mean. Um right, so Lisa, I'll I'll stick with you. Um Kev touched on it. I think we all touched on it, but um 
it started off at a pretty, um, I thought, real good intensity, the game. Um, you know, it was, I, I think Watkins had, 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 um, you know, a chance quite early on. Um, Ollie Watkins and Liverpool, honest God, that is such a curse. But, you know, it started <laughs> off pretty fiery. And then obviously, Mo Salah, you know, um, doing what he does best. I think Nunes had a chance as well at like one minute and 30 seconds. But then around about five minutes, I mean, Mo Salah just being Mo Salah. I mean, talk to me about, talk to me about that goal because, um, you know, Trent Alexander-Arnold, who I feel absolutely good for, but at the same time, I'm, I'm thrilled because he didn't get much World Cup action. But what a ball by him to find Robbo. And just, the, I, what I loved about that goal was the way we kind of built up. Absolutely. I mean, yeah, you're right. Villa had like a shot in the first minute, but then we, you know, bounced right back and, and it did. The game started off with the nice intensity, which, you know, which is what we want to see. Um, you know, it's it's always something that we bemoan when it's like, ah, oh, well, they started off so sluggish. That was was not the was not the case today. We we started mm-hmm. off with a nice pace and intensity. And yes, that goal was um, it was everything we tend to love about this team. You know, the the nice delivery from the corner. You know, Trent gets kind of the rebound, if you will, and it was a nice nice over to Robertson, who you know slid it across to Salah for the goal. It was, it was beautiful. And it was, it was, it was just a, a nice positive start. I mean, I don't think we really could have asked to start the game much better than what we did. Um, and so, yeah, so I think that's, that's kind of where I did sort of, as I said, I was like, you know what, I'm we're starting off on the front foot. I'm just going to sit back and watch and enjoy. And, um, you know, did for, for large, large periods of the first half. Yeah, really important to score in five minutes, Kev, because for me, I always find that the first 10 minutes are make or break for Liverpool, um, you know, in terms of how they're going to get into this game, what kind of rhythm and tempo they're going to set. Of course, we know there's been a big, great, um, big, big break in terms of club competition, uh, club competitive football because of the World Cup. So, you know, for Liverpool to score that goal within five minutes and, you know, the things that really impressed me was the fact that it was a well-worked team goal and also both of the full-backs were involved as well. It gave me old Liverpool vibes and I think that's why we were able to settle down and feel confident in this game and I felt the Reds grew after that goal as well in the first half. Yeah, it talk was, to me about that goal and how pretty, you wasn't it? It was very pretty, <laughs> sort of old-school I, I didn't expect it because it was so so early. I was sort of half paying attention because we don't usually score, period. But yeah, um, <laughs> yeah, it, it was. Uh, I was half. Paying, I almost left the room, so I almost missed the goal because I, I needed to d- do something in the house, and I just happened to be staying there an extra second longer after the you know after the um, the corner. So I'm glad I did. Mm. But uh, yeah, that ball is excellent um, from Trent, and then the reaction to get it back across with gold to, to Mo is, is excellent. It looked, yeah, it looked like us. It looked old school and clean and fun and um, pretty. And you put on a highlight reel. This is how we used to play. So it was, it was nice to, uh, it was nice to see that. And as you said, it kind of set the pace for the rest of the half. We were everywhere and all over them. And it was a nice surprise. So I did actually sit back and relax a little bit in the first half. Cause I was like, Oh, maybe, Maybe the long break and and people warm weather training and some people going away and seeing sort of their friends from the national team and then coming back and maybe that changed everything you know for for the at least for this match and at least for for the next couple of weeks but I mean, as I said before we kind of reverted to type in the, the beginning of the second half but in the first half after the goal you know scoring early that's fun and then we got to uh, we didn't even really sit back after that we were kind of going for their throats a bit um, they had a couple of half 
not even half chances, I would say. Um, but yeah, we, it was all us for the first 45 minutes. It was, it's nice. It's a nice surprise. And I hope we keep doing that and hope we keep winning. Uh, we just need to figure out that sort of middle, you know, or sort of say the first 30 minutes of the second half. If we can figure that out, we'll be great this season. But yeah, it was fun. We will be. And obviously, I think, you know, Trent got a lot of plaudits for, you know, have that goal kind of played out, Kev. And, uh, you know, obviously he's he's come back to this Liverpool side, you know, at the back of, like, disappointment, I'll say, because obviously Gareth Southgate does not trust him one little bit. As a Liverpool fan, I'm absolutely delighted the fact that you know he hasn't run him into the ground but he just goes and sh- he just goes to show the quality that he has and I actually thought I mean there's many players that had a great game certainly in the first half but for me I was getting the old school Trent Alexander vibes back the way he was just kind of looking up finding the players and playing a gorgeous pass and he just looked more like himself and the formation looked more familiar as well in the sense that Mo Salah looked very comfortable in in the 4-3-3 he wasn't hogging the touchline you know like there was a lot of interchanging and things and I think that was all quite beneficial to how maybe the Reds are used to playing it felt like the shackles were off they weren't trying to be something they weren't they were being organic and true to who they were yeah i think i think comfortable is a, is a good way that you put it there they, they everybody looked comfortable in the position even darwin who's a bit of a chaos agent but he, he even he sort of knew what he was supposed to be trying um but as far as trent i can see now sort of all over twitter and through discord as well as the the data coming back on trent today is like is pretty impressive like the most Passes attempted and completed, most successful passes into the final third, third most successful progressive passes, second most threatening ball progressions. Um, he had, what was it, nine progressive passes. He created two chances. You know, he just, he was crushing it offensively today. So hopefully that bodes well for the rest of the season because he, he takes a lot of flack for his defensive abilities or, or lack thereof. But the point of him, especially in this team, is that he's the most creative person in the team. And it seems like that was him today. So it, yes. it's it's great to see, and it and it, it, it bodes it bodes well for us. And if he can keep going, you know, he is when he wants to be, and and for most of the past few years, he's been the rest, best right back on the planet. Um, and hopefully for the rest of the season, he will continue to be that. But yeah, I think everybody sort of clicked in the first half, and we may have sort of overrun ourselves because in the second half, people seemed tired, mm-hmm. um, and maybe that was just lack of match fitness, you know. Some of them, it's their first match. Some of them, it's their sort of second or, or you know, a couple of minutes against City. Um, but yeah, I mean, as we, we've been saying, the first half was great. Um, and I'm just happy that Trent <laughs> can perform like that. Uh, a couple of like, a couple of defensive things were a bit strange for him and positioning-wise, especially in the second half. But that wasn't just symptomatic of him. Um, it was sort of everybody. So um, yeah, hopefully he's back to his best because he looks... Looks great on paper and he looked great on the eye test as well. Absolutely, absolutely. And um, welcome everyone who's um, joining us um, on Discord as well. We've had a few more people joining. If you do want to call in, just drop us a message and let us know. We'll get you on. If if you're feeling mic shy, drop a Twitter question. We'd love to hear from you guys. But thank you so much for joining us live. And Lisa, I'm going to come to you. And just to touch on, you know, how, you know, the Reds sort of really performed like their old selves in, in the first half. And you've touched on it, Kev's touched on it. I, I would agree with you. And I think many of the listeners would. And, uh, you know, I think that was a key thing. The fact that the players looked really, really comfortable. And I think that's why we looked like the old us in that first half. I mean, we spoke about Trent there looking like his, his best attacking self. And I thought he had a really good, um, you know, 
game and certainly the first half. But even players like Fabinho for me, like who, you know, these are players that we questioned or not, you know, we had questions over their form, not their ability, their form. And I felt like even Fabinho looked like his old self today. 100%. In fact, that is one of the few notes I had written down here was Fab looking so much better than he has. Mm. So much better. Just more. He just looked, I mean, for more himself. I mean, just more something about more confident, more settled, more, more him, Um, you know, more the Fabino that that we've all come to, you know, just expect to see and, and, you know, quite honestly, had not seen much of you know, first part of the season. So I think that's another big plus, you know, for us in the, in the win column, if you will, is Trent looked on point, Ab looked on point. Um, and I felt in addition to, to Trent looking on, you know, on his game today, if you will, he and Robertson seemed to be back to that kind of cross field connection that we had just all come to expect between the yeah. two of them that has just mm-hmm. not really, that spark has not been there. And, um, you know, we, we were seeing more, I saw more of that again today as well. So there's, there's a lot of things outside of the wind that we can, I think, take away from this that are, you know, small wins that look good for us as we move, you know, into the rest of the season. And, um, and yeah, so, I mean, I think fab, absolutely. You know, I, I, you know, let's just hope whatever he had going on, um, you know, he got a little bit of playing time for Brazil, but not a whole heck of a lot. So maybe it was just enough to keep him in tune, but to give him that bit of a rest. I mean, maybe that's just overall just what he kind of needed. And, um, you know, hopefully he's he's back on point to, to be what we need for him to be for the remainder of this season. Yeah, um, just not even the physical aspect of it as well. It was like the mental side of it as well in the yeah. first half where, you know, like where they just looked like they were switched on, which I was actually really worried about given the fact that they had been away and, you know, some of these players have been playing football. But, you know, like you've touched on there, Fab didn't get an awful lot of game time for Brazil as well. So, yeah, it was really, really good to see. And I'm going to stick with you, Lisa. You know, we're speaking about players. Let's talk about the agent of chaos um, as we've all <laughs> branded him, uh, Darwin Nunes. Um, I thought he... <laughs> He has a really interesting game, right? Because he gets himself into such good goal-scoring positions. And I think this is where I think potentially, like, and it's sad to see because I do think he has the potential to be quite a divisive player in the sense that, well, he's a striker, he should be scoring goals. But I like the fact that he gets into those positions and he's an absolute nightmare for defenders. And of course, we'll talk about the third goal when, when we talk about the third goal because obviously he makes that goal, you know, like he chases that ball down. But he is just literally everywhere. You, I just find that he makes football a bit exciting. I think he's a bit erratic. <laughs> Which is fun, isn't it? Um, yeah, I mean, yeah, you know, it wasn't his day. And it, I mean, it wasn't his day as far as getting the ball in the net. But yes, you know, jumping ahead, that assist for the for that third goal was, you know, he continued, even though he wasn't getting the ball into the goal, he, he didn't he didn't put his head down, you know, he kept, he kept trying and he, he didn't let off and he continued to put himself in the right position and try to get, you know, just get the ball in, you know, you have to give him props for that, that, you know, there are, there are a number of players, you know, just for any team, for our team, for whatever that, you know, that frustration level, um, you know, could affect 
how they're positioning themselves, how they're getting, you know, to where they need to be that could affect them if, if they're not seeing results um, or at least results on the scoreboard for what they're doing. And, and he didn't, he didn't allow that to, to happen. Um, you know, which honestly in a, in a way surprises me a little bit because he, he does kind of strike me as a player who could get frustrated and allow that type of stuff to get into his head. So I don't know if, He's just, you know, there's been the right behind the scenes discussions with him on, you know what, just don't, don't worry about it. Just keep, keep doing it and, you know, it'll come or, or what. But, but I was, that was another one of those little pluses that no, he didn't get on the scoreboard, but he needed to be, he was continuing to make the attempts. And again, in the end, it's got to pay off because that's just the type of optimistic person I am. And we love you for it, Lisa. This is why I always have you back on the pod, because you always give me warm, fuzzy feelings. It's possibly and blind optimism, but, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll just go with it for now. We'll take well, it. Well, you know what? The manager, <laughs> the manager is of the same, um, of the same persuasion, so we're, we're down with I mean, positive and optimistic yeah. people. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, own it. I would. Kev, I'll come to you, Agents of Chaos, Darwin Nunes, um, <laughs> talk to me about him because, you know, I think Lisa's made some really, really good points and I feel like he is going to be one of those players that is again going to split the fan base, which is absolutely awful for me because I hate it when a player does that. Um, I think, you know, um, he shows great, great talent. He shows great, great promise and, you know, he he's a nightmare. He's physical. He's quick. He's got all the attributes that you kind of want to strike. I mean, if I was a defender, I would not want to play against him. Let me just put that out there. But, you know, there's little things where you kind of watch and you think, oh, you know what, maybe he could do a bit better there. I mean, he does have a few clear-cut chances. We know he does. And I think, you know, I think it's around about just past the minute mark, wasn't it, where, you know, a chance comes into him and he kind of lets it go and he's hoping that Salah's there. And if he's the first one there, I mean, as a striker, you kind of want him to kind of go for it. I want him to be a little bit more cutthroat, maybe a bit more selfish, maybe bet on himself a bit more in those in those op- in those moments. Yeah, I think he will be one of these players that splits the fan base, at least for mm-hmm. a while. Um, mm-hmm. I'll say up right up front, I'm very high on, on Darwin Nunes. I like him. He's I think just he's mad. going to be excellent. And I used to actually feel the same way, um, same way Lisa did. She was how you kind of think he could get down on himself. And I think I've changed my mind on that. I think, because I saw in the chat, I was following the Discord chat during the match, and people were saying, like, I think that's a lack of confidence and blah, blah. And I'm not sure it is. I just think he's slightly unhinged. I just, I just think he, he just works off of instinct. And if he wants, yeah, exactly. And if he wants to shoot, he's going to shoot. If he wants to let it run, he's just going to let it run. If he wants to try to pass to no one that's there, he's going to do that as well. Like he's just, he's slightly crazy. Um, Are you guys saying basically he's a perfect blend of like, I don't know, a Luis Suarez and then the unhingedness of Mario Balotelli. Sort of. Yes. He's like, he, he's, he's Suarez's work rate in never giving up with slightly unhingedness of Mario Balotelli in Torres's frame. That's basically what he, what he looks like to me. And um, I hope he comes good. You've heard of, you've, you've heard of Build a Bear. We've, we've yeah. just literally built a striker. Built a striker. And, um, but he's just, he's just excellent. And uh, I, like to thank Lubo for the assist here is pointing some things in the chat, but he has the highest non-penalty XG XA per 90 in the premier league, higher than Holland, higher than De Bruyne, higher than Jesus and higher than Salah. 
Um, he created over one XG by himself today with four shots on target. And um, I saw a tweet from Ali Maxwell, I think, on the Athletic Tactics pod. But if he's not, I apologize, Ali. Um, they, they've never been so certain of anything that Darwin, at some point, will score something like seven goals in four games. He just continually gets the right place at the right time. He's taking enough shots, and not even like terrible shots. He takes great shots, and you know, just neither not putting them on target or they're saved or whatever. And I just, I just feel like he's going to, he's just going to come good and he's going to start blasting them in. If we can rein in this raw craziness, he's going to be, he's going to be something special. But even now he's, as Nina said, you do not want to be a defender against this guy. He is huge and he is Mm -hmm. fast as hell. And, and he works his socks off at every second of the match. And we talk about, he, he, I mean, everybody's going to be talking about the third goal that you can sort of say he creates because that should be going out for a goal kick if it's anybody else. He doesn't, but he he doesn't quit it on down. it, does he? He doesn't, doesn't quit. quit on it. Yeah. But if if my memory serves, he also won the other two corners that mm-hmm. causes the goals for us. So he's basically created three goal, goals there in a match that he doesn't score. Um, he's just he's slightly nuts, and I love every minute of him. And I'm going to continually call him Darwin. I'm taking a stand on that. I don't like Nunez chance. Um, apologies to anybody's last name is Nunez, but you hear it all the time, but you don't really meet many people called Darwin. So I'm going to continue to call him Darwin. Um, <laughs> and I hope we get a chant with Darwin in it as well. Well, if I, like I could it. just come in on another point. I mean, as, as Kev was talking there, I was thinking about the, you know, the never give up type of nature that, that Darwin seems to have. And, you know, Luis Diaz has that as well. And if we could just consistently get the both of them on the pitch at the same time, you have to think, you know, in combination with Salah, that's going to be something special. You know, if, if we could just, if we could just make that happen. Yeah. That's because chaos. Diaz magic has that, yeah. Diaz has that same. Diaz is more of like a FIFA player, isn't he? He does them FIFA shots from outside the box where he just grabs it and just tries it from long and, distance. And, and mad. you know, he doesn't back down or give up either. You know, I mean, we've seen yeah. him just have some lung busting runs to try to get to the ball. Yeah. And, and yeah, so I mean, you just, it was just, I got a little excited there when, when <laughs> it's just going to be, it's going to be exhausting. If we could just get the two of them. Yes. If we could just get the two of them to hit at the same time, they're going to exhaust be players. Phenomenal. Yeah. And exhausting for the other teams. That's what I'm thinking because you're right. Darwin has that chaos factor where I don't, I think that's a, a strength for him and for us is you don't exactly know what he's going to do. He's a little bit unpredictable, which in a good way, I mean that in a, in the, the very best sense. And, and Diaz is a lot like that as well. So, I mean, you, if you can get the both of them on at the same time where, I mean, I don't think, you know, opposition is going to know what to do with them because they're not going to know they could pop up anywhere. And so I think they'll be very difficult to defend against. And I'm just getting ahead of myself and excited. Right. So I'll stop off no, it's, don't have that. no, it's fine. We, don't, we have months before we know that the, any of that's going to happen, but there are um, a lot of problems to fix. It's, in promise. This team. it's promise for the future yeah. for this this team and that's that's good as well exactly. yeah you definitely you 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 would have to agree that you know the the just the work rate and the tenacity of those two players that you've mentioned in in 
Luis Diaz and Darby Nunes, and then you throw a Moss line to that. I mean, that is just going to tie that defenders anyway. Classy Mo on the other side. So, what, like, what <laughs> yeah. are you going to do? <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, defenders are just going to like want to take a nap just by looking at that lineup. Um, in my opinion, you know, they will tire people out, and then that creates a perfect opportunity for your your likes of players of like the Jotters who can stay quiet and be absolutely clinical in front of goal. If you need to bring them on later on, and then you've got maybe a Bobby Firmino, you know. But it it could be really, really good and it could be very, really exciting. But, you know, we're we're just fingers crossed at the moment. But, yes, I think um, Darwin Nunes, I think people need to be patient with him. I think we've all kind of touched on it as well. A lot of people do compare him to Haaland and they need to stop maybe doing that. I think we've spoke about this a lot on Anfield Index. A lot of people have alluded to this. That needs to stop as well. He's very raw and just let him, you know, find himself. And Kev, I'm going to come to you because although it was kind of smooth sailing for Liverpool and I was quite comfortable watching them, I did feel though, round about, I think it was about 17 minutes, I felt like, you know, um, Aston Villa were kind of having a few like half chances and, you know, I, I kind of noticed that, you know, Alisson was having to make a few saves. You know, n- not massive saves, but, you know, he was having to sort of collect the ball and commit himself. And I felt like, you know, he was just kind of showing that he, he's not gone rusty at all. But there were little moments where, you know, Aston Villa were trying to grow into some kind of confidence. Yeah, I think, I mean, for, for Ali's part, as fantastic as he is at saving and, and distribution, he also positions himself really well. So when mm-hmm. anything comes in, he's kind of on it already. But yeah, they did have sort of... Um, I'm thinking of the header and I can't remember who it was from, but, uh, and, and there was, wasn't much we could do about it. The ball in was great. Um, and he just happened to be in front of it. The guy didn't get enough on it. Um, and I was like, well, well that could be a problem. You know, if, if they're finding the little gaps, um, in, in the defense there, I didn't, th- I thought, uh, uh, Matip and, and, and Virgil were quite good today. I thought the back line in, in general was, was yes. very good. I will agree um, with you. Yeah, but but yeah, they did have sort of half, as I said, like in the opener, they, not even half chances, but something, it was like this niggling feeling that if something goes wrong, it could go very wrong. And um, and that's, I guess that's what we saw, you know, coming into the second half. Well, it luckily it didn't go very wrong, but we did see something. I mean, and over the whole match, they, you know, according to, to Michael Cayley, they did about 1.8 XG. So, you know, they could have scored two on another day. Three if they were excellent at finishing, um, but again we we created three point eight xG. So you know on paper this should have ended four two. Um, so we were sort of in control, and I think we were better than what it felt like in the second half because I think we kind of get on top of ourselves when we go when it goes wrong. Um, but but yeah, there was sort of like bits and pieces where you, you can sort of see where the problems would come, and they did eventually start to come. And and luckily Klopp made the changes he needed to, and and we got back control of the game. Um, but yeah, it was. Uh, I think we're out of that problem for the rest of the season, unfortunately. Even with if if we do reinforce in January, I think we will continue to have those problems until everybody kind of gets used to the system and bedded in. So obviously, higher hopes for next season, but. Um, yeah, there, there's still some some stuff to work on, and you could see it starting to crack slightly. Well, not even, I wouldn't even say crack. You could sort of see the issues in the first half, and then they kind of came to pass in the second. Hello. I'm here to annoy you. I'm here to annoy you into listening to more of me and more of others on EPL Index. We don't just have the Anfield Index stuff. We've got EPL Index as well, which covers the entirety 
of the Premier League. And we have three podcasts and a whole bunch of really good writing on EPLindex.com. The podcasts are my own two-footed podcast, which is every day at 4 p.m., Monday through Friday, covering the whole league. We have a Tad Predictable hosted by Tadiwa. You know Tadiwa, he does Anfield Index. He presents a Tad Predictable before every Premier League match week. And then Kevin DeVries and his crew on the EPL Roundtable, they're every week after the Premier League match week. So make sure you listen to everything we're doing on EPL Index and follow us there on Twitter at EPL Index. Thank you. Bye-bye. It did. And Lisa, I'm going to come to you because, um, you know, I, even though I felt like, you know, Liverpool looked look like themselves, there were just like moments of a little bit of chaos. And I think one that kind of came to me was, I think it was around about 27 minutes, where, you know, they, they kind of had the ball in our half and we have a few chances to clear it. And, you know, I think um, there was a shout for um, a Trent Alexander-Arnold and a penalty, which wasn't a penalty, by the way. But, you know, we had a few, like, it was almost like, you know, like stupid football where we would try and clear it and then they'd get the ball again. And then it comes to Ox and Ox plays this gorgeous ball to Nunes. And, you know, like, you know, it was so chaotic and it was the agent of chaos on the end of it. But um, he he pretty much just, you know, I think it was a chip shot and he hit it straight at the keeper. But even in their moments of dominance or trying to create something, we still look like we could have that out ball to one of our lads to do some damage. Um, so talk to me about just that little spell of where, I mean, were you particularly concerned about what Aston Villa were trying to do in that, in that, in that period of the game? A little bit. And even going back a few minutes before that, I mean, I noticed that our passing at the very, you know, probably the first 20 ish minutes or so of the match was not great. Um, we had a few miss, you know, just miscued, miss, mislaid, miss, misplayed um passes i mean not horrid you know not you know we've we've seen some horror shows in the past but it wasn't that but it was just it and it and you know and i kind of put it down to just that that rustiness that you know mm. we're seeing coming off of this this long break in, in play so and and you know and again not all players have had the you know the long break but the long break in playing even with each other you know those that went off and, you know, and played with their international, you know, you're playing a different type of football with different players and, and all of that. So it just felt as though, you know, the, the communication and the passing wasn't as crisp as it could be, but then it started to find, you know, the, the proper rhythm. Again, I, I put that down more to, to, you know, just general, um, you know, rustiness, if you will, will of play, but yeah, but then, but then we had some that it was a little bit weird, but it, but they came off. And you're right. There were a couple to Ox that, um, you know, I didn't think he had a fantastic game overall. But I think you saw Ox kind of grow into the game as, as it went on. And he had that one really nice run that it was just one of those. And I, and I can't even remember. I mean, I think he got a pass possibly from either Van Dyke or Robertson. And, and he like... Sort of like, oh, lucky shot. Okay, he kept on to it. And then he, you know, it was just, it was one of those that it could have gone either way, but it went the right way. And um, which was just good to see. Because again, the same as the team as a whole, Ox hasn't played a whole lot consistently in what, the last what year. Um, so it felt as though, and it looks like we're going to have to depend on him a little bit here for the next month or so, you know, to probably be starting some matches. And so confidence and that just you know 
familiarity or, or whatever is something that that he needs to to develop pretty quickly. And it, I mean, I just kind of saw it grow as the match went on, and was was something that was very nice to see. So, yeah, there was some there was some chaos and some things that we were that we were lucky, but it was all you know. I was thinking about this at the end of the first half. It was one of those games, and, and we've all seen them, where the breaks, in the first half at least, were breaking our way. You know, the luck was hitting our way. And we've we've seen the games where it can go the other way, which just shows you how much, as much of this is a game of skill, it can be a bit of a game of chance. And for us, you know, the, 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 the football gods were with us today, I suppose. And, <laughs> and a lot of those chances... Or, or whatever, we're, we're breaking our, our direction, which I will take any day of the week and twice on Sunday. Absolutely, and I love your assessment on Ox there as well, because I noticed as well, I was really intrigued to see how he'd get on, and I thought when the first game first kicked off, I felt like he was more involved in like the midfield, or he just naturally wanted to gravitate there, and then I noticed him move more towards the left, and I think what really kind of helped him as well was, of course, I agree with you, he didn't have the best game, and there, there, there are factors to that, I completely agree with you, you know, you're absolutely spot on, he's injured, he's not had an awful lot of game time, um, and I think what really kind of helped him was maybe a player like Robbo looking yes. like Robertson, you know, um, uh, which kind of <clears throat> helps you in that position. <laughs> you know, well, I mean, he was playing. I mean, not only has he not had a lot of game time when he has played, this is not, the, you know, not only the position, yeah. the position. I mean, he's on the opposite side of the pitch that you normally see him on. He's in, you know, he's in a forward position versus a midfield position. So it was, you know, he was very much playing out of, you know, about as out of position as he could be, you know, you know, unless we'd add him at center back or something, but um, yeah. yeah. So, so I think, but I think him being there with Robertson was good because again, they've, you know, they've played together for a, you know, for a long time. They have been teammates, you know, maybe not, you know, linking on the same side of the pitch or whatever, but the fact that they're teammates and long time teammates probably helped get him settled in, you know, into being more comfortable in, you know, in that left forward position. Yeah, no, I, I'd have to agree with you. And um, yeah, this is what, what Jurgen Klopp is facing right now. And let's hope the players that are put in those positions actually perform. Kev, I'm going to come to you and I want you to talk to me about what happened on 36 minutes. And it was Virgil van Dijk and it was a goal. And um, it was a stunning goal, um, by the way. I thought he took it very well. But what I found really hard to believe was the fact that he scored with his feet. I can't think of the last time he scored with his feet. I mean, I have a very, very shit memory, so bear with me. I'm sure somebody will correct me within <laughs> a second. But when you think of Virgil van Dijk and you think of goals, you think of set pieces and you think headers. That's where my head's at always. It's just like how you envisage it. But um, I know it took a little deflection, but I love the fact that he was there just ready to pounce when, you know, um, the ball kind of skipped more Salah and he just runs in on it, takes a volley shot. Yeah, it was... Keeper. It was nice, that one. It, it was, not ex again, not what you expected, and I can't remember I, the last time I saw Virgil score with his feet, although I think famously he was a striker when he was younger, um, and then he just became a man-mountain, I guess. But, um, yeah, he was uh, not what you expect from him. You know, you should, you should see a bullet header to the back. But uh, it, it was kind of nice to see... Not only because he just he just volleyed it, and I know yes, it takes a slight deflection, but he's in the right place. But Mo 
pretty much puts that on a plate for like he knows he's there and he knows yeah. he's coming and that he's open. Mo like just lays it back to him and then tries to get out of the way as fast as he can because he knows yeah. what's coming. So it was like it was very a lot of it the work was on was on Mo, which was nice and then and then Virgil did um what he did, which you know, you don't really expect from a defender, but if there's any defender that's gonna do it, it's gonna be it's gonna be our verge, isn't it? So it was it was nice and it calmed me down completely. Uh, and I was like, all right, cruise control. And I know the you know, the two nil thing um is not people say it's a dangerous scoreline and stuff, but I, I don't I don't really feel like that. I actually don't know how it works out in the data. Maybe we should know that, but um but yeah, it, it, I felt quite relaxed. It felt like a complete performance up to that point. Um and it was uh yeah, it's nice to see him score. He was due one. You know, he was he's scoring you know, used to be five, five, six, seven a season. You know, almost I would assume exclusively with his head. But um, but yeah, it was uh, it's nice to see him score. I love to see him smile. So I'm happy that he scored because uh, he's been sort of my favorite player for quite a bit now. Um, but yeah, it's fun. Speaking I of, love it. Yeah, and speaking of centre back scoring, you know, Joel Matipo almost had his moment as well. He wasn't <laughs> the only player that was offside in that play. But know. you know what? Yeah, we, we, we love a Joel Matip goal. And Lisa, I'm going to come to you. Speak to me about the Virgil van Dijk goal and him scoring with his feet. And I think the last time where he really, really frustrated me for a goal was, I think it was Nottingham Forest, where he had a fair few chances and he failed to convert them. Well, there were there were so many things that frustrated us about that Nottingham Forest game, so let's just not talk about it. Um, yes. <laughs> wipe, wiped from memory. Um, yeah, no, you're right. Absolutely. You, you're not used to seeing Virgil score a goal with, with his feet. So that was that was a nice, pleasant little surprise. And, and yeah, I mean, Mo set that up beautifully. And it was as beautiful an assist as it was, as it was a goal. Um, and, yeah, and it did give you just, you're right, Kev, you know, two, we, they always say, you know, a two-goal lead is, is not the most comfortable of score lines because you can see it turn pretty fast. But, but I felt good you know, finishing the half off that way. And, um, yeah, so it was, it was, it was, it was just like, not only were we up by two goals, but we were up by two really nice team goals, you know, not lucky shots, not a penalty, not, you know, anything like that, but we were up two nice, nicely worked team goals, offices, which we haven't seen a whole lot of in recent history. So it was it was just it just added to the overall enjoyment of that first half. Yeah, I think comfortable is the word for the first yeah, half. Yeah, comfortable. There you go. <laughs> okay. So from comfortable, let's take a little second, let's have pause, reflect, and we go into the second half. And Watkins offside goals like pretty much straight away, like the the, the warning signs were off. And um Kev, I'll come to you on this one because I thought they started off like I don't know, right, because we, we, we spoke about Liverpool were this in the first half, this in the first half, this in the first half, and we really highlighted that. But for me, I, I noticed the old trend, and you know, we can look at maybe players looking rusty, maybe looking tired because they put a lot of energy and effort into that first half. But to me, and I think you've touched on it, I think Lisa's touched on it, I think everyone that watched that game will probably agree as well, but the Reds looked very different in the second half, and it felt like the old Reds before the... World Cup break kind of crept in where it looked like their concentration wasn't quite there physically and mentally and you know that that was your first sign and then around about 47 minutes I think McGinn had a chance as well you know there was a, 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 I think um, a, 
Bundia um, uh, side netting as well around about 48 minutes but there was a lot going on and their goal comes at 58 minutes so I think it's safe to say that they had all they basically applied all the pressure at the beginning of that second half yeah it was slightly one-way traffic I don't I don't know how it comes about I don't know what we did at halftime but um I, I, you you would assume a response because you know you're, you're two nil down at home. You're gonna want to do something. Um, so I don't know what Emery was was doing at half, but you'd assume they would come out and tr- at least try, right? So you should be ready for that. But they, it was just one way traffic for for a while, and we were just kind of hanging in. I don't know if it's so pr- in previous in uh, you know previous seasons and previous episodes, Liverpool would destroy a team and then just sit back and control the game for the second half right and that's how we won the league that's how we get to champions league finals that's how we we've done all the good we've done we seem to be continuing to try that and we just can't do the second part um so we will we'll do really well even the games we've lost this season bar bar one or bar one or two i think and the games we drew we've actually been okay like from attacking standpoint um one of the better teams in the league from an attacking side We've just been terrible in defense, and, and part of it is midfield control, and, and then our defense gets under pressure, and that's exactly what happened in the second half. It's it just from the beginning we could not get a hold of anything in the midfield, and then it puts our our defense under constant pressure, and then Trent's having problems, and then Matip's positioning, and then Virgil makes a mistake, which is rare. You know, it's just things start happening like that, and we kind of you know revert to the type we've been this season, and that's this is exactly what happened in the beginning of the second half. And you could feel it. Everybody could feel it coming. It was, they were going to score if we didn't change something. And, and unfortunately, that's what happened. Now, I will say, and probably we'll get into this, is that um, Klopp deserves credit for switching it back because he did make subs when he needed to, um, which I know has been a criticism of him basically since he signed up for us. Um, but uh, but yeah, that first the first part, it just felt like, oh, now here we go again. Um, so it was not exactly the most pleasant start to a second half, especially when you've been in so much control. Yeah, Lisa, how did you feel about the beginning of the second half? You know, you said the, the you left the first half feeling very comfortable. How uncomfortable did you feel in like the first 10, 15 minutes? Very uncomfortable. Um, yeah, I, I don't know what kind of halftime team talk um, Unai Emery gave, but he he obviously did, you know, a very a very good job and said all the right things because they did. They came out, you know, heads up ready to go um and and credit to them for that we did not i don't i don't know you know maybe that two that two goal lead was just too comfortable for us um or what but but again this has been a it's been kind of a weird trend for us lately hasn't it just even if we've played well in the first half we have not started the second half well and that's something that we really need to fix um but yeah i had made a note at like 49 minutes could we please get the ball out of our half Yes. <laughs> that's the first thing I'm going to ask for. Could we get it past the, you know, the, the center line? Because it didn't seem like it, it was, it was, um, you know, we were very lucky that that, that goal um, was offside that, you know, that very, that first one that they, yes. that they scored. Um, so yeah, it, and it did, it, it seemed we just, yeah, I don't know if there was some fatigue setting in, you know, maybe both mentally and physically or, or what, but, 
But you're right. Klopp made subs at, at the right time. Um, and talk to me about them subs, um, Lisa. I'll stick with you because I think it's around about 65 minutes, um, he, which was quite nice because he had some options on that bench, right? So Kater no. and Elliot come on for Thiago and Ox. Yes, um, he had options. You know, whether the options we all would have liked to have seen were there, you know, is is a debate that will, you know, never end likely. But based on what he had available, I mean, I think he probably made the, the right, you know, the right two subs there initially. Um, it was nice to see PK to come seem to miss a step. It seemed like he, you know, he came on and and it seemed as though we got control back. Um, once Nabi Keita came onto the field, because it was very, feeling chaotic in in not the way we want. You know, we we all talked about you know the Nunes um, chaos that that we all enjoy in in the first part of the pod, and this was not this was not good chaos. This was you know was bad chaos. <laughs> um, so it, it felt as though Keita helped bring that little bit of control back on to the you know, onto the pitch, you know, of course, we all know, I love to see Harvey Elliott come on and get a shot doing anything as, you know, as his, you know, um, you know, mother that he obviously doesn't know he has. And, um, but, um, and, and again, he came on in a position that is not his traditional position to play. So, um, you know, I don't think he did anything Dazzling again, I you know he he brought us some fresh legs over there, and and I think that was all we could really ask um, for him because there really was not another another better option you know to put on you know when when Ox came off. So I think you know Harvey you know he wasn't brilliant, but but he didn't do anything bad that I recall seeing. So um, yeah, I think I think the subs were made at the right time and based on what was available on the bench, I think they were the right call by Klopp. I don't need a VPN. I've got nothing to hide. (laughs) This is what I used to tell myself before I hooked up with LibertyShield.com. Not only is my home internet now fully encrypted, but I can now access all the websites I want, whenever I want, and do so from absolutely anywhere. As a Liverpool fan, I love to know I can now watch every match, regardless of whether it's on UK TV or not. My Liberty Shield VPN makes sure nothing is blocked and guarantees me super fast streaming speed throughout that match. You can get connected right now with their software package, which includes a 48-hour no-obligation free trial and instant access to their apps for Apple, Android, Fire TV, PC, Mac and Android TV. Or go a step further like I have and get one of their pre-configured VPN routers. These small but powerful devices allow you to easily connect every device in your home to VPN, making it the perfect solution for smart TVs, mag boxes and games consoles. Visit libertyshield.com today and use coupon code AIVPN25 to get 25% off at checkout. No, they were. They were, absolutely. And I think, Kev, um, uh, talk to me about the subs that's around about 65 minutes because for me, I feel like he's in this situation where he has to manage the minutes of maybe Thiago and Keita. I thought Thiago had a really good game, by the way. I thought in the first half he was passing that ball really, really well. But I think in that period, we just kind of lost control of the game. So maybe just needed a fresh set of ideas. But I think those two players in, in Keita and Thiago, if we can keep both of them fit, it looks like He's going to do what he did last season, where he just flips them over and kind of rotates them and, you know, manages their minutes. 
Yeah, I th- and I think that's exactly what he should do. Um, I, mm. I saw Gag's post in in sort of the the game chat that Tiago and Navi should be treated as one player from now yes. on, and you yes. just you just flip flop them in and out. Mm. Tiago is obviously an elite player when he, when he's on his game and he needs, but he needs to be managed. He did fade uh, quite a bit. Mm. Uh, I mean, so did the whole team, but. But, um, you know, so there's two reasons. One, you have to save his legs. We've got, you know, a long rest of the season. And, and two, you, we needed to change something because, as, as Lisa, Lisa said, we, we did lose control. And uh, she's right. When Nabby came on, I thought we gained some of that control back. And I don't know if it was just him or him and, and Harvey being able to push up a little bit and, um, you know, and helping the forwards get the ball at least out of our half. But we did regain uh, a control of midfield when he came back on. And it, it's... It's actually, and I saw it um, expressed a couple times in the chat, and I have the same feeling. It's kind of sad to see to see Navi Keita for me, anyway, because I, I had such high hopes for him. Um, and not to say he hasn't contributed to Liverpool, because he certainly has. But it seems like his time here is going to come to an end sooner yes. rather than later. Yeah. Um, but you can see what he is, and it's just so great to watch. Like the little traps he sets to steal the ball back. And, and like, he's one of the best pressers I've ever seen, but he, he can even do it by himself. So he, he waits and waits and waits for the last second and draws the player in. And then he'll just nick the ball off him and he's gone. You know what I mean? And then the next one is when he's holding the ball, he waits and waits and waits to the last pop- possible second when the, the defender steps to him and he gets that little bit of extra space and he can make the more risky pass, but there's more space in behind now. And it's those little bits and pieces that that's why we signed him. And you could see it on show today. And it was like, it almost gave me like a twinge of sadness where I was like, oh, that's who he should have been all along, you know, and injuries kind of sapped it from him. And then there's some drama around, you know, when he was fit, he wasn't really playing and all this and that. But look, if, if, if everything's copacetic now in the dressing room and he's going to be flipped in and out with Tiago, it's only beneficial to us. So um, I hope that continues. Um, on the Harvey side, I was a bit surprised. I understood why Ox is the one to come out. I was a bit surprised it was Elliot because he would have been on the left, which is not his natural position. But he did, he did okay. Like it, as as you guys have pointed out, he didn't really do anything wrong. Um, I can't think of something he did that like blew my mind, which sometimes Harvey has the talent to do. But I don't think he put a foot wrong in it. That also helped that he had Keita behind him, and then Robinson had a great game today. So, you know, he has that protection coming behind him. So, yeah, the, on 67, we kind of changed the game back in our favor with those two subs. So the credit goes to Klopp there and for the two boys coming on to, and performing. Absolutely. And these are the subs did not stop there because these were, you know, this one potentially was a game-changing one. So Jurgen Klopp rolls the dice one more time, takes off Henderson and Trent. Obviously, managing minutes, um, I thought Trent had a really good game. Hendo, I thought, did okay as well. You know, I, I thought he had a pretty decent game. You know, didn't do anything offensively bad. Just played his game as you would expect. And um, Bajsetic and Gomez come on in their replacement. And within three minutes, the boy gets a goal. And he calms everyone down. It was nice, wasn't it? I mean, it was it was nice. Well, I mean, I will say when those substitutes were coming, it was like, okay, Trent coming off. All right, we're obviously managing minutes. Hindo, he needed to come off. You could you could tell he was he was you know he was flagging a bit, and you could see yes. that. he was he was kind of done. And and you're right, he didn't he, he had a good game. You know, it wasn't fabulous, but it was it was a good game. And um, by taking him off when we did, you know, it allowed him 
you know, to, to keep that good game. Because I think if he had, if he had been on for the remainder of, of the match, his fatigue could have, you know, made something unfortunate happen. So we, but we didn't have to worry about that. That's, that's borrowing trouble. So we won't do that. Um, so Gomez on for Trent. Okay. That, that makes sense. Um, and yeah, and, and, but you know, Bastetich, I was, I was a little bit surprised, but again, go back to my earlier remarks, not a whole lot to choose from, you know, on that bench. So I was like, okay, you know, we're, if nothing else, this is fresh legs, you know, fresh, fresh mind, if you will. And, and he did brilliantly. And, um, you know, as yet another player that is the same age as my actual children, um, you know, the mother in me, <laughs> the mother in me, you know, was, was pleased. And I remember seeing him stand on that sideline and I was like, oh my God, he, he looks younger than my 17 year old. He just had kind of a little bit of his, his, you know, baby face there. And I was like, but okay, we've, we've seen this kid play well. Um, and, and he did, and he was everywhere. I mean, even, I think the goal, you know, it was a surprise, but that gave him just that extra kick of confidence, I think, because after that he was just flying. I thought he was just, he was, he was in all the right places and making all the right moves. And it was, it was just, it was enjoyable to see. And it allowed me to enjoy that last part of the, of the match in a way that if you had asked me at say 55 minutes, I wouldn't have expected to. Um, so mm. once again, you know, Klopp got the subs right. And, um, Hey, and then the, you know, in the last sub too, if I don't want to jump ahead, but yeah, that was also me. And yeah, I was like, la- I was kind of laughing at one point. I'm like, well, I might as well have to be watching one of my, um, 17 year olds games right now because the age is right about in the, in the spot there for some of these players. So I just feel uh, fucking old, man. I'm not even going to lie. I see that. I'm like, for, oh my God, like, what is going old. on? <laughs> yeah. Cause I am old, but, um, yeah, it was, it, but you know, I mean, we hate, you know, there's the debate back and forth about how, you know, we're having to rely on the kids and, but these, this was kind of, <clears throat> and I, and I hate that we're, we're having to do that. If, if nothing else, this was the right situation and it worked out, you know, it's, it's giving rest, you know, and managing minutes for the senior players that, you know, that this is the beginning of a very long, you know, a long haul for the rest of the season with the games coming thick and fast. So, you know, worked today and, you know, it doesn't always work, but when it does work, I think we should just, you know, be, say it worked and move on and not, you know, just spark up a debate as to how, oh my gosh, it's awful. We have to use the kids and this is all we have available and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. You know, the Debate isn't good, but the fact that it was it was done, um, you know, intelligently today and it worked. Let's just take that as the win and the the check and the plus column and and move forward and and hope that it continues to do so as you know as we move forward in the season. Absolutely, and Kev, I'm going to come to you because you know when that when Klopp makes those subs and you see badge setage and obviously the playing time I've seen them has been quite limited, you know. 
And you think, oh, well, Klopp's gone all defensive here. He wants to protect his 2-1. I found it hilarious that he's the one that got the goal. Oh, right. Um, yeah. I just Bring thought it was just poetic. Way. I just thought it was absolutely poetic. And um, I think this is absolutely spot on because he literally comes on, makes an instant impact in the right place at the right time. Credit to Darwin Nunes for chasing that ball down. And, you know, when he scores that goal, I think the shackles come off. Uh, side note as well, I love the fact that Darwin Nunes was genuinely so pleased for the kid. Just give him a massive hug and, you know, they absolutely. celebrate together. And that was really, really nice to see. Um, but yeah, I think Lisa's spot on. He, he looked like he grew in confidence and those kind of moments for these youngsters, given where we are in terms of the circumstances where we're going to have to rely on them a little, seeing them get them goals, seeing them flourish and have some confidence is really, really great. So, um, I'd like to get your thoughts on the subs and, you know, just, just your, your whole view in general. <laughs> um yeah i mean it's it's nice to see i mean as you guys have, have pointed out we, we don't have many options or we didn't have many options today with with the injuries we have usually our bench is quite strong but um but it looks okay i mean it it's all fine to worry that you're playing the kids all the time but you're not gonna know how good the kids are unless you play them so um joe coming on was fine i thought trent was having a good game I, i'm surprised he came off at around 79 minutes or whenever they came off Maybe they are managing minutes there a little bit, so and and getting some under Joe because he'll have to play coming up. Um, but yeah, it was. Uh, yeah, they were. I thought they did well. Like even Joe, Joe did well. He's been shaky as since I've seen him um, this season, but uh, but he did pretty well. But St- Stefan is surprising because, yeah, as you said, it's like bring on the defensive mid midfielder, and then um, oh yeah, Lubo said that Trent's been ill recently, so maybe that's why. Um, but yeah, it's, he comes on as a defensive midfielder and he scores. And it, it, it is nice to see, um, uh, Darwin celebrate with him. Cause, but also no one, like that's a goal kick for anybody else. Dar- Darwin, again, slightly unhinged, knows he can get to this ball if he goes all out. Um, and he gets there and gets it back in and they score from it. That's got to feel great that you put in that amount of effort. Um, and we score for it and the confidence in that kid to take yeah. it around the keeper. He just yes. clips it sideways and um and then belts it with his left foot and it's right in. It, it's it's amazing. My sister um was sitting with me, who side note is a big fan of yours, Nina. Um said uh she she, she said, "Who's this little boy?" <laughs> and I said, "I don't know yet. I haven't seen enough of him, but he just scored and I'll, I'll take it." Um yeah, they they changed the game and uh, you know a- even after that he was really good in midfield. He was getting in the right places and. Him and Fabinho were just crowding people out and getting the ball forward. And and, and as we said, since the, the the two earlier subs in Keita and Harvey, we we took back control. And this was just sort of a to put the game away, which was it's a great feeling to score that that third goal. And you know they're not coming back from this, um, even against our shakiest of defense. Um, so it was great. And I know Lisa touched on on Ben coming on as well, who's even younger than these other than these other guys. Um, that guy. Um, let, let me think here because this is kind of a family show. He has a lot of fortitude. I will put that put it that way. Um, I've never seen a player that confident at that age. He just he is so much fun to watch, and I hope we keep playing him in these little bits and pieces so that he can keep building and, and get into to become a Premier League player because these kids look good. So hopefully we keep playing them, um, and we have the ability to play them because we're not chasing games and, and you know and they can feel they can make an impact and they're in the right environment and all that is important that's what Klopp is good at um so yeah the, the subs I, a lot of credit to Klopp today who doesn't usually get credit for making good subs um he made all of the right ones today 
He did, absolutely. And some side notes here. Um, Lubo dropping some facts in there. He's the official fact checker of the Nina Kauza show. It's great to have him on live. So thank you, Everybody who's ever met him, he's also their official fact checker. Yeah, he is. He is. And, uh, yep. And I think your sister's awesome too. Um, big fan of her because she's your sister. So she's naturally going to be awesome if she's related to you, Kev. But I want to get your thoughts on this. So we've, um, just quickly, we spoke about Ben Dork there. I've not had a chance to speak about him an awful lot. He was, he made a brief cameo here. He's obviously built up a lot of hype in terms of what he's done in, in, in the League Cup, I think. And also when uh, the Reds were playing their sort of pre-season, well, you know, off-season games whilst the World Cup was going on. Do you think it's really beneficial to have a group of these youngsters who are kind of finding and establish themselves? So it's like almost like the spotlight isn't on one individually. I mean, we, you know, we've had Harvey Elliott do it now. You know, um, Badge Setic is, you know, trying to come through or come through. And, you know, I think a lot of people have been really, really impressed with um, Dork. I've not seen an awful lot of him. I'm not going to lie. Um, uh, but the little cameo that I saw him today looked really good. Um, I was kind of hoping that he would get a goal that would make him the official the most youngest player to ever score for Liverpool. That would have been really nice for him. But do you think it helps the youngsters having fellow youngsters with them? I'd just put it out to both of you. I think it does. Because I think it, it keeps the spotlight from shining on one, you know, too much. Yes. I think yes. I think it is nice to have just this little, you know, this little cluster of them. Um, and, and, and not necessarily the, they all play in the same position, you know, it's, it's kind mm. of across, across the team, you know, you've, you've got, you know, Bendok that's, you know, more of a forward, you got Bassett, which is field, be it defensive midfielder or, or, or what. And, and I think, yeah, so I think it is nice that, that there is this little cluster of them. They're not all the exact same age, you know, they're, you know, close to within and, and, and again, they, they play sort of across the team. So I think it keeps that spotlight from too much on any one of them, which I think is just beneficial for them. Because I think when they, when you have that spotlight shown on you, it, you know, it, it builds up these expectations that, you know, it, that's very stressful. You know, that's, that's very stressful for, for these young players trying to come through to have, it's just that additional weight on them that, that just isn't very fair. And, um, you know, and, and it's very difficult, very few people, you know, in any, any sport, any, anything, you know, when you have that additional weight on your shoulders, it's, there are very, very few people who can, you know, who can live up to that. And, and you just hate to see it. And I know I'm sounding so much like a mother right now, um, but I can't help myself. And, <laughs> and yeah, so I think having that spotlight, you know, spread about is is the best thing if we're going to have to rely on some of these younger players you know to to help sort of fill the gaps and and shore up the bench for us it's it's good that it's not just one yeah and i've never really thought about it until you guys just brought it up that it probably is um a good thing for them because i mean they've all grown up and they've seen trent um and what he's been able to do but he mm-hmm. he was kind of an outlier you have to be elite to be able to do what he did he was the only kid that came through filled in a not only filled in a gap but a team was built around his skills um you know and and it drove us to to success um and then harvey obviously was extremely successful in the championship and um you know and now he's he's playing relatively integral parts to, to the team 
uh, at least he was, um, you know, before his injury and then and somewhat this season afterwards and and such. So yeah, it's so they've seen that it's possible, um, but you have to be very exceptional um, to be the sole person and to take the spotlight by being the sole kid in the team. You know, at nineteen or whatever Trent was eighteen. Um, but but you're probably right that they all come up together. They're all relatively similar ages, so they're just going to have that immediately. That same mindset that all kids have at those age, at that age, and that they're all professional footballers. So they're kind of going through all the same experience together, and then having to mix in with these Premier League and Champions League winning uh, winning players. You know, I'm sure talking to Jordan Henderson and Virgil Van Dyke for the first time is very nerve wracking if you're yes. a kid. Mm-hmm. Um, but let alone playing next, let alone playing next to them and you don't want to let them down. (laughs) You know what I mean? And it's, I would be bricking it if I was on there (laughs) and I'm 38 years old. I would be, now I'd be terrified. Um, but yeah, they, um, but yeah, so coming up together can only be beneficial for them and and bringing kids in can only be beneficial for them. And, um, you know, and it, it helps when you're the same age, it helps when you're from the same countries, it helps when you speak the same language. And I think it all goes to building like the, you know, the culture of the club that we always talk about. Um, so yeah, I could think it can only be a good thing for us that they're coming up together. And, and as Lisa says, there's not going to be competition because the play, the play, there's going to be competition with the players that already play there, but not between them because yeah. they are playing in different positions. So they can stay that sort of camaraderie and, and, you know, and keeping each other motivated and that sort of thing. So yeah, it's hopefully it's all good to come. They all look like good players. We just yeah. need to see if they're good enough for us. Absolutely. Good vibes. And yep, great, great points there. Guys, we have pretty much come to the end of the show. Um, is there anything you kind of feel like needs highlighting or do you want to just go straight to your man of the match? Uh, Kev, I'll come to you first. Um, I think we've covered pretty much everything. Um, at least that I could think of. I don't have any more notes or no mental notes anyway. Um, man of the match is a tough one. Um, in the first half, it could have been a lot of people, but I probably would have gave it to Robertson. Um, I, I am tempted to give it to Darwin, even though he missed an absurd amount of chances in this game. Um, we created seven big chances. I think Darwin had four of them and missed them all. Um, and that's, and I think we missed five big chances. So now creating those chances is a big part of his game. Um, and as I said, he also gets the corners that witness the goals and he also makes the run at the end for Stefan's goal. So I think just being that I love how chaotic he is, I'm going to give it to Darwin anyway, even though there's a couple of people I could, I can make an argument for Robertson. I thought Hendo had a good game, um, for the most part. So obviously tends to always have good games. Uh, and the back line was good. Um, but I'm going to give it to Darwin because he's crazy and I, and I love him. So I'm going to stick with that. And you know what? You have to be kind of special if you can miss four clear-cut chances and you still, like, yeah, are involved still in, in the all game, the goals. And you're still in the game. Yep, good vibes the all around. Yep, yeah, good vibes. Okay, I like that. I like that shout. And what about you, Lisa? Is there anything you kind of want to highlight um, from the game that we've not mentioned? And if not, go straight to your man of the match. I, I, we've covered anything that I made minimal notes on. So no, nothing, nothing else to add overall to the game. And yeah, the man of the match is, is a little hard, um, which I like when it's hard because that means, well, it means two things. Either generally everyone played very well or everyone played not well. Uh, but, <laughs> but we're going to go with today it's harder because, you know, there was an ast- 
standout, you know, one one player. But I think I think I am going to have to give it to Robertson just because he has been a little bit of, you know, he went from being such a consistent player to being more of an inconsistent player for us last season, and and it feels like he's starting to get some of that consistency back. And and that assist was just was just wonderful for the first for the first goal and and he had another assist for the goal that was you know was offside so i think his his consistency you know and again on that left side that has not been consistent with the players that are playing on it with him um you know for what he did there i i think i do have to give it to andy robertson I love your shouts. I love the fact that you've gone so different and you're so hipster. I've gone really obvious. I went with Marcela. One one goal and one assist. Um, and he yeah, kind he of sets excellent. the tone for he everything. And yeah, so I've gone really basic and very obvious and very generic, but I love both of your two shouts. But guys, if you're listening, let us know your man of the match. Who's your man of the match? Do you find it a sticky one as well? I'd love to hear your thoughts. Um, we'd love to hear your thoughts, but um, we have come to the end of this podcast. I've really enjoyed it. It turns out it went smooth because I have these two awesome people with me on the podcast. But before I let them go, I am just going to get some plugs. So, Lisa, I will come to you first. Where can people find you on social media? And um, is there anything you'd like to plug? Because I know you've been busy. Well, you can find me on social media, both Twitter as well as Instagram at LMarieMH. And um, if you go back to my most recent posts, you'll see all the wonderful things that I've been baking here over the holiday season. So um, I, um, I like to do that. That's a hobby for me. And, and I've really kind of outdone myself the last week or so. Um, we did a Christmassy pod for the main AI pod. Um, just came out on Christmas Eve. But it's not so Christmassy that you, that you can't listen to it, you know, in the next couple of days if you haven't had an opportunity opportunity yet you can check um check out the pod with myself and trev downey and um carl Kopek and guy drinkle and we had just we had some seasonal fun if you will um talked a little bit of football talked some goofy movies and there was a christmas quiz so um which trev did not win um mostly because he was the one giving it to the rest of us but he didn't allow he didn't take credit either so but yeah um we're going to try to maybe get another one in before New Year, but I don't know if it's going to happen just because of how things are falling. So always find me on the main AI pod with my varying uh, sidekicks there and um, fun. And I've enjoyed being back here with you, Nina, um, talking about a win. A win. Yay. Let us keep talking about wins, I hope. Absolutely. So do please do follow Lisa Marie on her social media platforms and do check out the main AI podcast if there's not one for the new year, which means this one's still in season. So you can still listen to it. And I <laughs> urge you to all go into it because that is like that's like an elite lineup. Like you've got very, very different personalities. Uh, Guy Drinkle uh, is a really, really underrated podcaster, in my opinion. I think he's brilliant. Great. I'm just putting it out there. Uh, he's so funny. And I don't he think he realizes it as well. Which, yeah, which really, really adds to his charm. But yeah, Trev, Carl, you, Guy, it's a great lineup. Go and check that out. Kev, what about you? Where can people find you on social media? And is there anything you'd like to plug? And when are you guys going to get together for a podcast? Because oh, I need it question. in my life. Yeah. Um, yeah, so... There, didn't I? <laughs> no, it's, no, you're right, though, to, to uh, reprimand us for not doing it. Um, 
So I'm at Kev Hegarty on Twitter. I haven't been on in ages, but I've just slowly started coming back. Um, although Twitter's a hellscape these days. Um, I am Kev in Discord. I think I'm number 1314 in, in all of Discord. So you can come talk to me there because I do, I do kind of float around the channels there. Um, podcasts, myself and Justin and everybody need to get off of our butts and do one of those. Uh, I have nothing scheduled, but I will talk to the boys and see what they want to do with Scott and Lubo as well. Um, other than that, only to plug you guys. I, it's funny, I've never actually spoken to Lisa before until this day, but I feel like I know her because I listen to her on the other podcasts <laughs> and I follow her on social media and look at all the delicious pies that she makes with the amazing patterns on the top. Um, yeah, so get on all of her stuff until we figure out our lives on this side of the fence and, and put a podcast out. And I just want to thank you for having me on. It's been a long time. I've missed you, Nina, and the AI community. And hopefully I'll be back more often. Nope. We've absolutely loved having you on. And please don't defer it for a year. That's really, really like, <laughs> not fair. We love talking to you. It's been great having you on, Kev. Lisa, it's been wonderful having you back on, guys, um, who joined us live. Thank you so much for joining us live. And Lubo just being Lubo, dropping, you know, the stats and you know, all the factual stuff. But guys, thank you so much for listening. Um, the games are going to come thick and fast now. So you will be hearing from me a lot more. So guys, thank you so much for listening. Take care. Till next time, up the reds. We hope you enjoyed listening to this Anfield Index show. Please be sure to subscribe to our channel so future podcasts find their way to your device automatically. There's nothing quite like fan engagement. And we'd love to know what you think of anything discussed on this show. The best way to get in touch is over on our free Discord community, where both podcasters and listeners debate the hottest LFC topics 24-7. Sign up free now at anfieldindex.com forward slash discord. You won't regret it. You can also follow us on Twitter at Anfield Index and find us on Facebook by searching for Anfield Index. Oh, and before you go... We'd love it if you could leave us a five-star review on your favourite podcast app. It only takes a couple of seconds, and it means the world to the people who create these free shows. Sports Social Podcast Network.